Welcome to the Marketplace Movement Podcast, where our vision is to reach, enhance, and advance lives. This week is the Come Clean series finale. So as always, please grab your notebook and your Bible and join us in the year of again. Lord, I thank you and I honor you. Grateful, God, for who you are. I'm grateful, God, that you're not only the God of second chances, but you're the God of innumerable chances, God. Many of us have messed up so many times, we have lost count. And so thank you, God, for being so consistent. And God, while we know that there are consequences to our behavior, I thank you, God, for even chastising us, God, because you wouldn't do it if you didn't love us. So God, give us strength, courage to continue on to do what you've called us to do in your name. Amen. All right. This is 8.5. Come clean. We finish um, tonight. So over the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about coming clean and we've talked about benefits. Uh, I've given you tools in order to come clean. But unfortunately, even in the midst of eight weeks of why and this is how many of us won't heed the word that's just true um, and, and some of us uh, and I'm, I'm gonna deal with with three reasons why we often don't come clean tonight but I need to say this just because we decide not to do what God has told us to do that doesn't mean that his standards or his penalties change y'all catch that just because we decide, God, I'm not going to do what you told me to do. That doesn't mean the standard changes, and it doesn't mean the penalty changes. So you have the complete free will. It's on you. You can do whatever you want to do. You are more than welcome. All of us in this room, we can do whatever we feel like. God still has standards. He still has penalties. Don't think that just because he allows it, he condones it. Does that make sense? See, when, when I, I remember when this, this theology of the perfect and the permissive will came out. I'll never forget it. And I mean, folks was teaching it heavy. Like, well, you got the perfect will of God, and then you got the permissive will of God. And it sounded, it sounded real good. They would, they would teach it with such authority. Like, you know, here's what God wants, but here's what God permits. And, you know, sometimes we're in the permissive will of God, and we need to get to when we're in the perfect will of God. And one day I was thinking about that. I was like, God, that sure makes you sound fickle. And it really widens out your will. Because if there's a perfect and a permissive will of God, then what you've done is you said that his grace to me is also his will for me. That don't make sense. See, when, when we're not doing what we're supposed to do, that's not the permissive will of God. That's grace and mercy, right? Don't call that God's will. God has a will. He don't have multiple wills. He don't have a will that's right for me. No, no, he has a will. I know the thoughts I have for you, not the perfect thoughts and the permissive thoughts, right? And so we have to understand when it comes to coming clean, you can choose not to do it, guys. All of us, we have free will, volition. You can choose not to come clean. There's still a standard. There's still a penalty. With this in view, I understand that it's hard for us to handle the trials that come at us. Some of us, like, you know, watching the news sometimes for me is just like vomit worthy. I understand that it's difficult to handle the trials that come at us. And some of us, if we're going to be honest, deserve a whole lot of what we're going through. This is not an attack. This is punishment. There is a difference. Remember. Demon discipline development. Some of us, we are not under demonic attack. We're reaping. Okay? But I need to start with this text in Hebrews 12. For everybody who's like, it's just too much, all this coming clean, and I got to face all of my issues, and I got to face how, I just don't want to talk about it, Bishop. I just don't want to talk about it. All right, go to Hebrews 12. Are we there? No? Yes? Kinda? Almost? In the vicinity? He Hebrews 12, verse 4. 
Look, look at what he says. You have not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood in your striving against sin. Now, it's funny because like we could literally like mic drop verse four. I mean, the writer of Hebrews, which I'm still believing is Paul, literally says, I don't know what y'all talking about. None of you have done as much as Jesus has done. That, that's verse four, his opening argument. You have not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood in your striving against sin. And you have forgotten the exhortation which is addressed to you as sons. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor faint when you are reproved by him. For those whom the Lord loves, he does what? Thank you. And he scourges every son whom he receives. Now, this is son, daughter. It is for discipline that you endure. God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? But if you are without discipline, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Are y'all seeing this? If you don't want to be disciplined, you don't want to be legitimate. Are y'all following me? Now, I started off on purpose. You do not have to choose to come clean. You can choose not to come clean. It is well within your rights. Because coming clean oftentimes hurts. It is uncomfortable to come face to face with, ooh, I got some spots. I got some wrinkles, right? And, and, and it feels like when we're coming face to face with our spots and wrinkles that we're being reproved, that we're being rebuked, that we're being disciplined. That's the way it feels. But the scripture says, I don't discipline anybody that I don't love. So when we're being disciplined, what he's saying is, I love you. And if you don't want to be disciplined, he says, you're illegitimate. I would rather God get after me then God be silent with me. Does that make sense to anybody? Lord, I'd rather you say that was wrong than for you to say nothing at all. As a matter of fact, what parent allows poor behavior knowing that that behavior is going to damage their child? What parent would do that? What parent just allows the child to stick, you know, the butter knife into the outlet just go ahead, you're going to learn. That's, that, that's considered abuse because the child in their immaturity doesn't know the outcome of their behaviors. As the parent, you're supposed to put your maturity on the child. The Lord, like a good parent, recognizes you have no idea what's going to happen to you if you keep going down the road you're going down. So I'm going to rebuke you. I'm going to discipline you because I love you. His discipline is not the product of his hate. His discipline is not the product of his anger. His discipline is the product of his love. I, I really need to spend time here because this whole theological premise of what type of loving God would do these things. I mean, that's the whole, that's the whole doctrine of inclusion. What type of loving God would send his people to hell? First of all, he don't send anybody to hell. We go on our own. His scripture says, I'm not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So the Lord ain't sending nobody anywhere. We are buying our own tickets through our behaviors. Does that make sense? That's number one. Number two, what type of loving God wouldn't discipline us is the real question. What type of love is it that allows continued erroneous behaviors that we know is going to lead somebody down a path? Now, if we believe that, we get frustrated when God sends people in our path to correct us. Oh, Lord. All right, let's keep reading. I know that is all right. But if you are without discipline of which, verse 8, of which all have become partakers, then you're illegitimate children not sons. Furthermore, we had earthly fathers to discipline us. We respected them. 
Shall we not much rather be subject to the father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good so that we may share his holiness. All discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful, but sorrowful. Yet to those who have been trained by it, it refers to discipline. Afterwards, it, that's the discipline, yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. Y'all see that? When you allow discipline to do its job, it will make you better. Now, there's a difference between discipline and abuse. Y'all catch what I'm saying? Discipline is instructive. Abuse is not. Abuse doesn't instruct. Abuse simply inflicts pain. Discipline leads you down a path of instruction. Like if a parent spanks a child without the child understanding why, they've now abused the child. You switch that from abuse to discipline when, you, when the child is being instructed in right behavior. Does that make sense? Watch this. The person yielding the discipline can't be overtaken in their own emotional faults. That's why the Lord's so good at it. The reason that the Lord is so great with, with, with discipline is because he don't sin. Okay, y'all act like ain't none of y'all ever <laughs> let somebody make you real mad and, and you, you stopped instructing and you start like, I'm gonna get you. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna get you. Huh? So, so, so please understand that if we don't want to be corrected, that's a relationship problem. That's a relationship problem between us and the Lord. Every time I sit, even with my spiritual father, every time I sit with my spiritual father, the expectation is that he's going to right every wrong. It's the expectation. I, I mean, it's, it's, it's a good moment for, him, for me when he says, you shouldn't have done that. Thank you. Thank you very much. Bet you I won't do it twice. Thank you. That's maturity. Are y'all following me? All right. Sometimes, and then this, is my, this is my thesis for tonight. I needed to give you the Hebrews 12 to begin. Sometimes coming clean requ requires God to expose us. Now, again, that exposure feels like discipline. If you're going to come clean, sometimes God got to shine some light on you. And we don't like it. I'm going to give you three reasons that we often don't want to come clean. They all relate to exposure. I just got three of them. Number one, this is the first reason we don't want to come clean. We don't want to come clean because we become unwilling to face the consequences of coming clean. That's number one. I don't want to come clean because I don't want to face the consequences of coming clean. So this is the moment where you continue to hide, not because you want to stay dirty, but because you're truly afraid of what comes along with people seeing the truth of who you are. Anybody ever been there? Some, some people don't want to tell the truth. That's okay. We're going to keep working down to it. So it's not that you want to stay in the mess, but you actually have fear that if I tell you the truth about the mess I'm in, you're going to look at me differently. And I'm more concerned with how you look at me, how you view me, than my cleanliness. I'd rather be perceived as clean than go through the, the, the turmoil of becoming clean legitimately. Y'all catch that? It's, 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 like the people, it's like the people who will buy the counterfeit instead of save for the original. Why? It's cheaper and I get cheap along with the benefit of perception. Are y'all following me tonight? Okay, watch, watch, watch. Why do I have to go buy the fake whatever? When I can go get the real something else. 
Use whatever brand you want. Doesn't matter. So I, I'll be nice. So you go get the fake Jordans. Like, okay, so let's say the real pair of Air Force Ones is $140, and then you get the gas station Air Force Ones, right? You get the gas station Air Force Ones for $40. Okay, so, all right, so I got gas station Air Force Ones, $40. I, I saved $100. But why would you do that when you could have spent the $40 and got some real other brand? Because for $40, not only do I get a pair of shoes, but I've also bought Perception on discount. Y'all not following me. Are y'all with me here? So now as I put them on my feet, I'm not putting them on my feet because I'm interested in legitimate, legitimacy. I'm putting them on my feet because I'm interested in perception, right? Now, many of us, if you really want the Air Force One, that's cool. The Jordan One, cool, buy that. But save your money and do it right as opposed to try to give people the impression. Okay, I'll, I'll make it spiritual. If you really want to be holy, be holy. Do it right. Don't put on fake holiness. Because see, fake holiness is cheap. It comes with a little practice in front of a mirror. You know, you can learn a good dip in a kitchen with a whole tie, and you're good to go. Should have bought a bow tie, could have had a Honda. I mean, you're good to go. You can do alphabet tongues, A, B, 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 C, D, 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 D. I mean, you're good to go. You're great. See, that level of holiness is cheap, but it can't handle demons. Right? It can't handle demons. It's just like the fake shoe. The fake shoe can't hold up under scrutiny. Just like a fake Holy Ghost can't hold up under pressure. Are y'all following me? So it behooves us to go through whatever I gotta go through to get the real thing. Because the devil knows where there's a fake. Y'all ever see the sons of Sceva? He's like, hold on, who are you? I know who Paul is. I know who Paul is. I done heard about Jesus. I don't know who you are. They got whooped that day. It was a bad day for them, right? So many of us are unwilling to face those consequences of coming clean. We don't want people to have this bad perception of us. Now, it is correct that you should not be governed by the opinions of people. That is true. But let's be real. Many of us aren't there yet. See, don't nobody want it. Many of us aren't there. You, you say it. I ain't bothered by nobody. Yes, you are. You are bothered. This is why you post your outfit of the day every day. Because if you're not bothered by anybody, why are you posting your outfit for them to critique? What difference does that make? OOTD. Pound OOTD. Pound OOTD. That's outfit of the day. OOTD. Pound OOTD. Pound OOTD. Pound OOTD. Pound OOTD. I done seen preachers start doing it. The sock game. Or, or, or here's the new one. The ministry of socks and shoes. The ministry of socks and shoes. Every day. You got time every day to take a picture of your socks and shoes. Man, please. Listen, when I get up, I put on what I like. And if you don't like it, it ain't your size. <laughs> It don't make me no difference if you don't like it. I don't like that. Wonderful. I'm wearing it. And I enjoy it. Right? Now, but some of us aren't there. Let's just be honest. I'm not telling you that as an excuse. I'm trying to get you to face a reality. Face a reality. I'm not there. I'm still governed by the opinions of people. And, and watch that. That's why many of us can't come clean. Now, let me, let me say this. I'll read it to you exactly the way I have it in my notes. We must see the primary benefit of coming clean as an essential step to our spiritual health. Let me say it again. We must see the primary benefit of coming clean as an essential step to our spiritual health. Instead of seeing it as embarrassment, like, hold on, I'm coming clean for me. Are y'all following this? At some point you gotta say, you know what? I, this whole coming clean thing is not for you. It's for me. This is a part of my spiritual health. 
if I don't come clean, I'm unhealthy. What good does it do me that you think I'm healthy when I know I'm not? I'm not coming clean concerned about whether or not you think my cleanliness is messy. I'm coming clean for my own health. At some point, people of God, we have to say, Lord, look, I'm doing this for you, for my relationship with you. And if don't nobody like it, as long as you please with it, I'm good. But we can't keep going around not coming clean because we're concerned about who's going to be affected. Now, I won't go to this text because I spent a lot of time on it, but I want you to put it in your notes. Put Achan um, there. Joshua 7. Joshua 7. And the reason I want you to put Achan there is because when you go read the, the, the story of Achan and hiding, hiding stuff in, in his tent, I want you to pay attention. He had plenty of time to come clean. I mean, literally, plenty of time. But watch this. He's withholding that. At any given time, Achan could have came forward and said, look, before you get to my clan, before you get to my house, before you get to my parents, let me just come, come out real quick and be like, it's me. You know how many people died because Achan waited until it got all the way to his house? I mean, when Achan heard, the Lord knows somebody done took something. Achan should have right there and said, look. Uh, at no time, there was no repentance. The whole story of Achan, there was, listen, it, he had to get checked. Remember, okay, let me go back to my thesis just in case y'all think I forgot it. Coming clean requires God to expose us sometimes. The only reason that Achan told anybody where, the, where that thing was, where that gold and silver was, is because he was exposed. Literally, exposed, you did it. He said, you're right, you're right. He said, give glory to God. Okay, okay. Oh, it's in my tent, hid, up under some stuff. I did it. Who wants to go through that level of exposure when Aiken could have just come forward? Just come forward. Just me. Like, I did it. It was me. There's, there's a, uh, a famous football player, um, and I had, I had never heard of the dude because I'm not a, uh, I think he played for the Panthers in the, back in the day. He, j he just did 19 years. Yeah, and he just got out. Carew, something like that. Just got out, right? Yeah, 19 years he does. And here's the thing. So he's constantly like, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. Now, wait a minute now. Wait a minute. I didn't do it. But you was running. We found you in a trunk with $3,900 cash and urine in a bottle. Two bottles full. You hiding. Are y'all following me? If you're so innocent, OJ, then <laughs> you just come forward. But many people don't want to come clean because they don't want to handle what people going to think. You, does this make sense? All right. Oh, man. Man, all the way through, absolutely. I just, just, come on, come on, come on out there. I mean, you, you, not only do you see it with him, we'll, we'll deal with David in a minute. I mean, you know, you look, at, look at Moses. Moses don't even want to go back, back home because they. Look, look at how many times you see somebody, when God's trying to get them to do something, start referring to they. Every time I see it, I want to be like, who are they? Who are, name names, names. I need names, I need parts, give me parts. Names, who are they? I get on my kids about that all the time. Somebody said that so-and-so and so, who are they? Who are they? Who, check your source. We will have no conspiracy theories in this house. Who are they? <laughs> all right, number two, number two. So the first one, we become unwilling to face the consequences of coming clean. Number two, we grow accustomed and therefore comfortable with being unclean. So I won't, I won't come clean because I'm comfortable or I'm accustomed to being unclean. Watch, watch. The truth, here's the truth. Many of us are so accustomed to our own sin because we identify ourselves and our family by it. I come from a family of thugs. 
Y'all see how easy that is to do? I come from a family of dope dealers. See how easy that is to do? Watch, it's gonna get tight. I come from a family of diabetics. Oh, see, it's getting quiet now. You see, you know, I said thugs, everybody like, yeah, that's right. Dope dealers, I said diabetics, everybody like, stay away from me, Bishop, stay away from me. Because we say stuff like that. Because we start identifying with our issues. And when you identify with those issues, you get comfortable with them. And you get so comfortable that I don't need to change it because it is who I am. Hold on. According to who? According, even when you paint a car a different color, the VIN will tell you the color it was supposed to be. <laughs> okay, y'all. We can go out here and you can get the most expensive paint job on any of these cars out here in this parking lot. But if I check that VIN number, it'll tell me what the manufacturer intended. So it doesn't matter to me what you say you are. All that truly matters is what the manufacturer, the Lord, intended you to be. Don't allow other people who have painted your car, right? Other people who have put you through the process of changing who you are through repeated conversation, through repeated molding and shaping. Don't let that cause you to overlook who God told you you were. Amen. So, all right. In some instances, in some instances, it's all we've ever known, though. Right. We don't know anything but that. So, like, for instance, if, 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 if diabetes or, 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 or high blood pressure or whatever is in your family line and you've always seen your family, like, okay, like my grandmother. My grandmother took insulin every single solitary day as a little boy. I, I was with my grandparents from first grade to sixth grade every day. I saw my grandmother take an insulin shot Every day, watch, as a little boy, I never thought she was sick. Nobody ever told me Granny is sick. I thought that that was, to me, as a little boy, that's just what my grandmother did. Taking a shot for my grandmother was like eating breakfast in the morning. See, okay, in the educational world, they call it classical conditioning. You can be conditioned so much that something becomes normative. So I never, I, I disconnected insulin from sickness. Insulin for me was normative behavior of my grandmother. So easily I could have grown up thinking that what she did every day, I was supposed to do. Are y'all following me? I want you to think about everything your family You've seen them do everything you saw, your mother, your grandmother, maybe your great grandmother, your older sisters, your aunts, your uncles do. Some of us won't come clean because we now identify with that behavior. Are y'all following me now? Now, 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 now. I would also say this, and I'm going to give you the text that goes with this. Some of us don't even come to new life in Christ because of this. Let me explain. New life in Christ is so new that you're overwhelmed by the newness. You ever heard anybody talk about new normal? For some of us, we're so accustomed to what we've al always seen, we get to hearing this glorious new life in Christ and you tell yourself, that's not for me because I come from a family of this. I've never seen anybody in my family have that level of new life. Even when you got people in your family who go to church, when God is trying to give you more of him and you look back through your bloodline and ain't nobody ever had that much, you go, I don't even know what that looked like. Oh, y'all, y'all, y'all. Okay, all right, in your notes for your study, Isaiah chapter six. Go and put it in there, I'll tell you the story. I'm trying to make sure I'm good with my time. Isaiah chapter six. When Isaiah sees the Lord, Let's look at what Isaiah said, because watch this. The encounter Isaiah had with, with God was an encounter of exposure. 
is as soon as the encounter comes, here's the exposure. Woe is me. I am undone. Now watch. Watch it. He's about, he about to tell you. I'm a man of unclean lips. Not done. I dwell amongst the people of unclean lips. Ain't nowhere in the world you're trying to have this conversation with me. Whoa. That's exposure. Because that's what true encounters do. True encounter with God is an encounter of exposure. You can't come before God and stay messed up. That's why I always, you know, I cringe a little when, when I hear people say, Ooh, there was a mighty, I experienced a mighty move of God. I experienced, listen to my terms, I experienced a mighty move. But are you sure? Because I don't see anybody from Genesis to Revelation experience God and not change. You're the same. You're the same person. Like, literally, you said you experienced a mighty move of God. Next post, cuss somebody out. <laughs> Next post, are you sure? At some point. But, but watch, many of us have identified, whoa, we're Isaiah. Woe is me. I'm undone. I dwell amongst the people of unclean lips. I got unclean lips. Look, all we know is unclean lips. But look at what God does. Fix his lips. He tells one of the seraphim to go over, get a hot coal off of the fire, and place it on his lips. So, so, so please pay attention. L listen to this. I'll read it. To, to change number two, to really com combat that number two, getting accustomed, here's what I want you guys to do. I want you to be open to an encounter with God instead of focusing on what the encounter will bring. Y'all see that? In other words, okay, I want, I want, I want to break, because break, we talk about breaking cycles, right? I want to break a cycle. I want to break a cycle. Okay, if you want to break a cycle, stop praying to God to break the cycle. Oh, I know, that don't seem right. Instead, pray to God to encounter him, like a legitimate encounter, because the cycle can't remain when there's a legitimate encounter. You see what I'm saying? God, here's my prayer. I want to encounter you because you said in me there is light and no darkness at all. So if I encounter you and there's no darkness in you, every bit of darkness in me got to leave when I'm with you. So let me change because I'm so busy throwing, Lord, fix my money and Lord, fix my kid and Lord, fix this. And Lord said, hold on. Just come into my presence. There is the fullness of joy. At my right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. You asking for the wrong thing. You done told me to fix all, you got a long laundry list, like I'm Santa Claus. You got all this stuff you want me to do. Because watch this, the only thing that Isaiah needed in order to fix his entire generational curse was one touch. The whole generational curse was completely undone with one encounter. The whole thing. Hot cold came, boom, done. He says, send me, I'll go. I mean, that's in the same way. He went from whoa to send me. I got it. One touch, one encounter, everything. Everything he identified as, all, of, all the things he came from, completely eradicated, one touch. So pray for the touch. Y'all see why I'm trying to focus you? Pray for the touch. God, I just want to encounter you. Because I know if I encounter you, all of the stuff I'm dealing with has to fall off of me when I'm with you. A priest couldn't even go into the Holy of Holies unless he was of a certain uh, mentality, a certain level of purity. The priest would spend days before going into the Holy of Holies, washing and putting on different clothes, tying a bell to his ankle. So watch this. If the priest has to be a certain way in order to get to the Holy of Holies, and God says sin stinks in his nostrils, if I pray for the encounter, God will take me through whatever I have to go through to prepare me for the encounter. Which is why many of us don't want the encounter. We just want the candy. See, we want God to do it without going through the work to get it. And so we never come clean. See, when, because when we become candy Christians, right, right? Your dance is for candy. Your giving is for candy. Your church attendance is for candy. Whatever your candy is. 
You know what I'm saying? I'm believing God for a new house. I'm going to sow me a seed. God says for everybody that sows a seed, you know, he has a blessing, a miracle with your name on it. There is a miracle. And so you only sow, watch, your entire check, purpose, heart was for return, not for love. I want you to think about that for a minute. What did you give it for? Because God going to bless me. Wait, 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 wait. Wait, every woman in here should understand how wrong that is. Your husband come home with flowers and go, you know what this means. <laughs> See, y'all, y'all, I don't even know why y'all doing that to me. Come in the door. You know what time it is? You know, you were looking at him like, you done lost your mind. You need to go lay at the altar. You crazy. I mean, you need to bring him for prayer. We need counseling. Something is off with you, bruh. Right? That's manipulation. What, what have you got into? Your medicine is off. Something is wrong. But that's how we do the Lord. We dance like, all right, Jesus, you know what time it is. Now, I sweated my good hair out for this. I know you better bless me. Right? I gave you, I gave you more than normal. I'm normal. I'm normally five dollars on first Sunday, two dollars second, third, and three dollars on fifth. I do three dollars on fifth because it only come along a little every once in a while. And I gave you ten dollars on fourth. Ten. I deserve blessing, Jesus. Ten. It was a ten dollar Sunday. So we have to really say, all right, God, wait a minute. And I really want you to be honest with yourself. You ain't got to be honest with me. What do you identify as? Do you identify as broken? Do you identify as depressed? Because, see, we in this new, we in this new flow where everybody feels like the stuff they say is them being truthful when some of it is them being immature. I just need to tell the world, no, I'm depressed. Why are you identifying as that? You're not depressed, you're undisciplined. Some people aren't depressed at all. They just ain't got no discipline. Oh, boy. If you got up early, stop eating all the crud you eat all the day, all that depression would fall off of you. You can't eat chocolate and bonbons and potato chips all day and expect to be in a good mood. <laughs> you done ate four bags of chips, right? <laughs> three rolls of cookies, a two liter of pop, and talking about, I just don't know why the devil is busy in my digestion. He is busy. <laughs> All right, number three. Number three. Here's, here's my last one. We allow our sin to contaminate us. Watch. To the point that we no longer recognize we're unclean. We allow our sin to contaminate us to the point that we no longer recognize we're unclean. So number one, we become unwilling to face the consequences of coming clean. Number two, we grow accustomed and therefore comfortable with being unclean. And then number three, we allow our sin to contaminate us to the point where we no longer recognize that we're unclean. In other words, this is, this is different than number two. Because see, number two, I'm comfortable and accustomed. Remember, Isaiah said, woe is me. I'm undone. I'm a man of unclean lips. In other words, he knew he was messed up. He was just comfortable with being in that place. Amen? Like, you know, I, I, I talked to a guy one time. He was like, everybody knows I'm an alcoholic. So he admitted, I'm an alcoholic. Everybody knows I'm an alcoholic. He didn't, he didn't sugarcoat it. He didn't say, I ain't no alcoholic. He says, I am an alcoholic. Pass the hen. <laughs> Period. He was comfortable with his condition. Amen. But number three is different. Number three is when you become so contaminated by your condition that you actually think that you're not messed up. It's different, right? So we get to a place where we justify our sin and we start believing that wrong is right. 
All right, let's watch this. Turn to Isaiah chapter 5. This verse bothers me every time I read it. Isaiah chapter 5. And if you guys don't think that sin will get you here, I'm telling you it will. If you practice sin long enough, you ever heard a liar lie so much that they start believing the lie as truth? Sin can do that to you too. You can be so entrenched in sin that the next thing you know, your sin becomes good to you. Not good feeling. Like, okay, all right, all right. Let me, before I read this text, watch this. Anybody familiar with the gospel of inclusion? It's Carlton Pearson, theology, gospel of inclusion. Carlton Pearson doesn't believe in hell. Um, he believes everybody's going to heaven, like everybody. No hell, everybody's going to heaven because of loving God, ain't sending nobody to hell. And he also says, you, nobody has to be saved. Everybody is saved already. All right. Now, gospel of inclusion is actually universalism rebranded. So this has been around for a long time. I have, I have his book on inclusion on my shelf. You really don't have to get past the first chapter to understand where he went wrong. He actually chronicles the very moment of his fall in the movie. Watch. He's watching TV, preaching all over the world, watching TV, and he sees one of those kind of feed the children type commercials. He sees the commercial, and he cries out to God, and this is his words. Watch. Lord, I'm preaching here, and I'm preaching there, and I'm going everywhere, and I'm preaching as much as I can, and these people still don't know you. These people are still far from you. And I can't believe that you would allow them to die without receiving the gospel. And then his response is, he thinks that the Lord told him they don't need to be saved. They're saved already. Boom. So literally, he took his own guilt for not being able to go to Africa and came up with a whole theology to make himself feel better. He needed somebody in his camp to say, as soon as he said, I can't, they should have said, you need to take that word I and recognize you have an ego problem. Because just because you can't go to Africa don't mean somebody else ain't already in Africa. See, he needed somebody in his camp to say, um, excuse me, Pastor Pearson, Bishop Carlton, um, you seem like you think a little bit more highly of yourself than you ought to think if you think you're the only one in the whole wide world that can get to Africa, like you're the only carrier of the gospel. I mean, that's, that would be literally like me going into a full-fledged depression because I'm not preaching tonight in Ghana. I'm preaching to y'all right now. Somebody else is in Ghana, and I'm okay with it. Are y'all following what I'm saying? Okay, so, 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 so please understand, when you get to a place where that, that thing in you takes root, you'll start thinking it's right you will come up with a new theology to justify poor behavior. You'll make the Bible fit. All right, watch Isaiah chapter 5. Let's read verse 20. We there? 520. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil who substitute darkness for light and light for darkness, who substitute bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and clever in their own sight. Look, woe to those who are heroes in drinking wine and valiant men in mixing strong drink who justify the wicked for a bribe and take away the rights of the ones who are in the right. Ooh, boy, sound like, sound like some folks we know right now, don't it? You try to make wrong right, right wrong. This is woe to y'all. Woe. Y'all in trouble. But that's what sin will do. If you sit in it long enough, it changes you. You cease to be aware that it's sin and it just becomes who you are. Does this make sense? Again, what is the solution? Exposure. I'm telling y'all, prove it. 
All right. Put it in your notes. Second Samuel chapter 12. Y'all know this part. Then, I, then I'm going to pray. I'm through. David. I mean, David, done, he done went all the way live. Do y'all hear me? He done went all the way live. Slept with Bathsheba. Had Uriah killed. Right. He all the way live. We always start with slept with Bathsheba, but the truth is he started messing up when he didn't go to battle. That was his first line of disobedience. Scripture says it came a time where kings were supposed to go to battle that he stayed at home. Check one. <laughs> Problem numero uno. Because had he done what he was supposed to be doing as a king, he would have never seen Bathsheba in the first place. All right. So he's off the chain. Here come Nathan telling him a good old story. That's the text I gave y'all. Nathan's telling him the story. Get all the way to the end. David put his chest out. Who is he? Oh, I love it. He's enraged. Who would do such a thing? He needs to be killed. I want to see him right now. I love Nathan. He the OG. You the man. Oh, it's the greatest. Oh, I love the King James translation of that. You the man. Love it. My favorite. You. We talking about you, bro. Yep, that story. That's you. But what does it show us? David was so entrenched that he didn't even recognize his own story. He literally wasn't trying to be funny. This is not an instance, there's, this is not an instance of David trying to just act like he don't know what he's talking about. He's so entrenched in his poor behavior, so entrenched in the sin that caused him to do those things that when somebody tell him what he did back, he's already made sense of that ain't me. That's not me. That's what sin will do. What got him together? Exposure. I would hate, y'all, for God to have to expose us when we can just come forward and expose ourselves. Let me, let me, let me say this to you. The longer you wait to be exposed, the, the harder it is to come clean. It don't get better with time. It gets worse. I'm going to say it again. I'm just waiting for the right. It don't get better with time, y'all. That's a lie. It doesn't get better with time. Like, if you, if you sin against God and wait 20 years to tell the truth about it, it don't get no better. It's not like the penalty wear off. Here's my experience. It gets worse. Because now you've gone all of this time. Not only is it worse on others, because now they have to receive you saying all this time we thought you were this, but you were really that. But it's actually very painful on you because you got to carry the truth. Okay, y'all. <laughs> you got to carry the truth. So here it is. You walking around carrying the truth, recognizing that everybody you're something that you're not you know the reality now that thing to carry that level of weight around I don't wish it on nobody at all so if you think that you can just eventually it'll wear off like you know time heals all wounds hold on hold time heals all wounds when the wounds have been properly medicated tell the truth a time time won't heal a wound if you don't properly take care of it during the time that the wound is given. Why? Because time with a wound that is infected will cause you to have to amputate the limb where the wound is. So don't come at me about time heals all wounds. Now, some of us got infection growing. Let me tell you about infection. You want to know how you know you got an infection? Because the wound stinks. Right. So you talking about, I'm good, I'm good, time heals all wounds. No, you stink. A healing wound don't smell. If the wound is properly medicated, properly packed, properly put together, it don't stink. When a wound starts stinking, it's infected. So you should be able to be healed without stinking. So stop saying, I'm being healed as an excuse to your stinking. Are y'all following what I'm saying? We do it all the time, y'all. We do that all the time. We say stuff like, I ain't there yet. 
I ain't all the way there yet. I ain't back yet. I'm not together yet. But hold on. Hold on. Healing wounds don't stink. That attitude, that behavior stinks. Tell the truth. I'm infected. Get the proper medication in that infection. It's cool. Wounds get infected all the time. We can handle infection. The problem is when you want to keep telling everybody you're healing, when you're thinking. Just tell the truth. I'm infected. I need this to be taken care of. As you can see, it's dirty. It's pus coming on out of this. I need help. I need you to take care of this. This is nasty. I don't want to lose my arm because I won't tell the truth about my finger. You pricked your finger. You lost your whole arm. Yeah, I wouldn't tell the truth. I let it get infected. Amen. Y'all learn something tonight? I'm going to pray. All right. Lord, thank you for the word, for your truth. Thank you for your challenge. Allow us, God, to do what it takes to come clean. To apply this word, God, have encounters. Not to wait, God, but to tell the truth, to come clean early. Allow us, God, not to be governed by what others will think, but to only be governed by what you think of us. Mature us in that area. In your name, amen. You have just listened to the final teaching of the Marketplace Movement podcast, the Come Clean series. We hope that you have been stretched, challenged, and pushed into the standard that God wants us to be. But however, there is still so much more training to go. Please like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, and visit our website, themarketplacemovement.org. We invite you to worship with us at 3300 West 3rd Street in Dayton, Ohio, where you can catch us on Periscope every Sunday and Wednesday. We hope to see you soon at the Marketplace Movement, where we reach, enhance, and advance lives.